Praise the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you all as you join in this evening to the Bible study for tonight. And I want to trust the Lord to help us today again as we behold his word. And I believe this evening again, you're going to learn and add knowledge unto knowledge in Jesus' name. For the Lord seek that we regain the knowledge of his word as his chosen people, because it's by knowledge and wisdom that will wage a good warfare. And therefore, it is the divine will of God and purpose of God to have his children gain intimate knowledge of his word. And that's what we do every time we study the Bible. On Tuesdays and Thursdays in particular, and Sundays um, included, um, if you read Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 5, the Bible says, and beside this, that is beside the faith, beside, in fact, let's read from verse 3, according as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, the promises of the Son, the promises of the Messiah, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. Praise God. The church has escaped the corruption. We have escaped that corruption that is in the world. And that, and that corruption in the world is triggered by loss. That decadence in the world is triggered by loss, is triggered by, by, by sensual perversion. But for us who have partaken of life and godliness, we have escaped. We are a different breed, hallelujah. We are a different species of people. We are people who have been regenerated by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit, and that's why we are different. Amen. Praise God. And verse 5 said, and beside this, that would means with this knowledge in your heart, giving all diligence or attention add to your faith. That means everything he has described is given to us as faith, faith in Jesus, faith, faith in Jesus. But add to the faith, he said, virtue. That is character and add to character <clears throat> knowledge and add to knowledge temperance. God wants us to add to our faith knowledge, knowledge of his will. And that's why we study the word of God to gain his knowledge. And so tonight, I want to trust the Lord again that we'll gain his knowledge today. And by that, and by what we gain, will be able to wage a good warfare in the name of Jesus. And um, I want to trust the Lord this evening to help us to delve a little deeper as we study and continue in our studying of the book of Romans. And now we're going to come to the study of the word of God. And I believe every one of us has his or her Bible and a thing or two to jot a few things down. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And we've been looking at this very critical and interesting chapter. Well, remember, like I said, Scriptures were not written in chapters and verses um, until the 1600s. So this is not to be read in, in, in chapter. If you do that, you might miss something. So 
you read it through together as a whole. And um, if you read to actually gain the knowledge in chapter 14, we, we ought to begin to read from 13, 8 through 15, um, 13. So from 13, 8 to 15, 13, encapsulate this entire treatise and thought that the Apostle Paul is explaining to the church by the Spirit of God. You see, the church of God is precious to God and has written to give us instructions on how to lead our lives and comport ourselves among ourselves and reveal to us the realities of God in redemption for the world. So that as we come together, there's no dichotomy. There's no, there's no schism. There's no, there's no separation. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's no segregation. There's no faction. You know, as the church began, there were several problems that attended the church, particularly the early church. And in the context of the messages, um, the Lord began to address them where they were. And um, as we study the Bible to understand it, we must understand that studying the Bible um, requires us to understand the entire gamut of scriptures. For we use scriptures to interpret scripture. We don't use scripture to interpret scriptures. We use verses to interpret verse. We don't use verse to interpret verses. If we do that, we can get into a mistake. We can get into error. And God doesn't want his church to work in error whatsoever. God wants us to work in total truth. And he has revealed his truth to us by spirit through different people or different writers that were carried on by the Lord. And so the church of God is so blessed with accurate information from God in the pages of the Bible that can guide and lead us aright through every age. God's word is relevant, not just in the first century or second century or third century, but it's relevant also in the 20th century, the 21st century, and relevant in the 30th century if Christ tarries. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O God, thy word is settled. And Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, not one word, not one title, not one full stop, not one comma of my words will go unfulfilled. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, the same today and forever. So God's word is relevant to every age and is able to make one wise unto redemption. And so I see in the study of the word of God, the, the, the benevolence and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the kindness of God to, to leave us without any form of ambiguity as to how we ought to comport ourselves with the world and within ourselves. You see, in my studying of the Bible, the church is too precious for any personal idiosyncrasy, for any personal behavior or indulgence to overshadow the word of God. 
God has never left anyone in doubt as to what his mind, his thought is. And so as we give ourselves to the study of the word, we find in the pages of the Holy Writ, the actual intention, the actual recommendation, the actual precept of God for us upon the earth. As we come back to our study of Romans 14, like I told us, it's a continuum from Romans 13, verse 8. Now, as a pastor, I have I've overheard many opinions and suggestions um, to, to the message of the apostle in Romans 14 sometimes to the detriment of the church, sometimes to the, to the weakening of the church, sometimes to the permissiveness of the church. But the church is a church of the living God. The church is a church of Jesus. Jesus is the head of his church and he's watching over his church, teaching them, helping them, correcting them when they go wrong but the the basis of god's correction is his word and that's why we don't interpret a scripture by itself we use all the scriptures to interpret a particular scripture now romans 14 14 is an interesting portion of scripture that many over time have read and wrestled with and by it have taken different positions. But in studying the Bible, there's no ambiguity. When we look at it with a, with a humble heart, with a heart of the Lord, we find out what the Lord actually is saying. Now, if I read to you tonight, verse 14, because by, by, tonight, by God's grace, we'll read through chapter 14. But I want to read other scriptures to, 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 to further strengthen this point. Verse 14 says, I read from the Amplified. It says, I know and I am convinced as one in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean, ritually defiled, unholy in itself. But nonetheless, it is unclean to anyone who thinks it is unclean. Now, this is a very broad scripture that gives latitude um, for various kinds of interpretation. But for a simple-hearted believer who loves scriptures, who just wants to serve the Lord, we look at this with a little more carefulness. And to look at what the Apostle Paul is driving at here. Does he really say that nothing in itself is unclean? This is the scripture that most preachers in the Western world and in the, in the developing world use to justify many things. I've heard people say smoking is not sin. It's not in the Bible. Um, all kinds of things are not sin. They are permissive. Anything the Bible did not clearly mention, we should leave room and not judge people based on their orientation, on their idiosyncrasies. That what Paul says, though, nothing is unclean in itself. It's only unclean to the one that feels it is unclean. Is that what the apostle is saying here? And therefore, we must be careful not to be misled and be careful to be able to understand God's word in context. Now, I'm going to read to us this evening a few scriptures, and I want us to read together carefully with me to establish the context that the apostle is speaking here so that we don't, we don't, we don't bring our, our, our flesh we don't, we, do, we don't create room to, 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 
to project our idiosyncrasies, our, 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 you know, uh, uh, our desires, our, our, our fleshly desires and justify it with scriptures. So what exactly does this scripture mean and how does God expect of us to comport and behave ourselves within ourselves? Now, talk with me in your Bibles tonight quickly to Matthew 15. And remember that the early church consists of the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews had their own ways of worship. And they tried to bring that way of worship into Christ. The Gentile world that compressed at the time of the civilization of the Greeks and the Romans, their own way of worship, they also want to import it to Christ. And so there came a clash of ideas, a clash of, of, of religious sacrifice and worship into Christ. And that is the basis of all the arguments. You see that, you know, permeating through the early church. And it is this same um, um, problem that the Apostle Paul was addressing throughout all the churches. And I'm going to read to you the letters he wrote to different churches to address this same issue. So what was Apostle Paul focusing on in Romans 14? It will get clearer as we look at other scriptures to, 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 to weigh in into this particular thought. Matthew 15, everybody. Matthew 15. I want to try and read from the Amplified, even though I would love to read um, maybe from the ESV or the NSV or whatever question we have. Let's just go tonight. Let me read, if I can, from the Amplified. Um, and then I'll read from other versions too. Matthew 15. All right. I'll read from verse 10. Verse 10. Now, after Jesus called the crowd to himself, he said, listen and understand this. It is not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles and dishonors him, but what comes out of his mouth, this defiles and dishonors him. Then the disciples came and said to Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard you say this? He answered, Every plant which my heavenly father did not plant will be torn up by the roots. Leave them alone. They are blind guides leading blind followers. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter asked him, explain this parable about what defiles a person to us. And Jesus said, are you still so dull and unable to put things together? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the mouth passes in the stomach and is eliminated? But what, whatever word comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this is what defiles and dishonors the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and plans, mothers, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slanders, verbal abuse, irreverent speech, and blaspheming. These are the things which defile and dishonor the man. But eating with ceremonially unwashed hands does not defile a man. So from the beginning, there's been, an, there's been this push from the, from the Jews, uh, from the Old Testament about eating with either on wash hands or eating things ceremonially unclean. So there's a fundamental issue about eating. All right, let's note that. Talk with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 tonight. Ephesians 2. We'll read from verse 12. Ephesians 2 from verse 12. I'll read from the Amplified again. And I want to follow with your heart from verse 12. Ephesians 2. 
remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from any relationship with him, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, with no share in the sacred messianic promise and without knowledge of God's agreements, having no hope in his, his promise and living in the world without God. He's talking about the Gentiles in, in Ephesus. But now at this very moment in Christ Jesus, you who were once so very far away from God have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one body and broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism between us. By abolishing in his own crucified flesh, the hostility, the hostility caused by the law with his commandments contained in ordinances, which he satisfied so that in himself, he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing peace. 16. And that he might reconcile them, both Jews and Gentiles, united in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the hostility. Imagine the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles in the first century church. And what was the base of the hostility? The notion of the things that they do in sacrifice to God and, you know, in worship to their gods. Now that they are now one in Christ, there's this clash of what will Christ now accept? Do we, do we import and bring the things we do with our gods into Christ? This was a great area and an area of great hostility and conflict. Now, let's hold on here tonight. Come with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. Colossians 2, we read verse 16 and 17. It said, therefore, now remember, we read what the Lord Jesus said to the disciples. We read what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. It means Jesus and disciples and the Pharisees had the same problem. They accused him severally while disciples ate without their hands washed. While, while would they eat without, while, while would they eat things that are not ceremonially clean? Why would they defile themselves by what they eat? They pick corn from the fields without going through the normal ritual of cleansing before eating. We see the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, to the Jews and the Gentiles. They had this same problem of eating, of idols, of sacrifices. Now, to the, to the church in Colossae and Laodicea, let's read from verse 16. Therefore, let no one judge you in regard to food and drink, because this is a major problem food and drink, now listen, or in regard to the observance of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. So you see, this is the crux of the problem in the church. Should we observe Sabbath? Should we observe the new moon? Should we observe the, 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 the Hakuna and the, and the, and the, and the, and, 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 and all the feasts? Should we, should, should, should we, should we eat meat sacrificed to idols or not? This was a prevailing problem in the early church. And this is the context in which Apostle Paul was writing to the church also in Rome. Verse 17. Such things are only a shadow of what is to come. And they have only symbolic value. But the substance, the reality of what is foreshadowed belongs to Christ. Let's hold on there tonight. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. 
You see, the same, the same issue applies to the church in, in um, 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 Ephesus and Colossae, now Corinth. First Corinthians 10. We read from verse 23. 23. 23. All things are lawful, that is, morally legitimate and permissible. But not all things are beneficial or advantageous. All things are lawful, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to a spiritual life. Let no one, here says, seek only his own good, but also that of the other person. 25. Regarding meat offered to idols, eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking any questions for the sake of your conscience. For the whole earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. If one of the unbelievers invites you to a meal at his house and you want to go, eat whatever is served to you without asking questions about its source for the sake of your conscience. But if anyone says to you, this meat has been offered in sacrifice to an idol, do not eat it out of consideration for the one who told you and for the conscience sake. And by conscience, I mean for the sake of the other man's, not yours. For why is my freedom of choice judged by another's conscience another's ethics, another sense of right and wrong. If I take my share of food with thankfulness, why am I accused because of something for which I give thanks? So then, whether you eat or drink, whether you eat or drink, you see, there's a major problem of eating and drinking because the Jews have a position and the Gentiles also have their position. So whether you eat or drink or whether you do, do all to the glory of our great God. Do not offend Jews or Greeks or even the church of God, but live to honor him. Just as I please everyone in all things, as much as is possible adapting myself to the interests of others, not seeking my own benefit, but that of the many, so that they will be open to the message of salvation and may be saved. Now you see also in the church in Corinth, this problem also persisted. Why? Because the early church primarily comprised of the Jews and the Gentiles. Remember, the church age began in Acts 2, where many people that came to Jerusalem were converted. So in that day, 3,000 souls were converted. And when they all went back to their various places, they went back with the gospel, but they also carried in their minds the old tradition of the law of Moses. And this became a contending part of the faith. This began to affect how they saw others in Christ. It began to affect how they dealt with, each, with, with the Gentiles in the church. And remember, even Peter himself could not withstand this when it came to Antioch. In Galatians chapter 2, from, from verse 10, we see that Paul stood against him for he was eating and drinking with the Gentiles until some people came from James in Jerusalem. And when he saw them, the Bible says, he withdrew himself. And Paul said, no, Peter, you are wrong. To the point that Apostle Barnabas also was almost deceived. This was a sticking point. This was a major point in the early church. But thanks be to God, as the time went on, these gray areas were resolved. The, the will of God was became clearer by the teaching of the word and the gospel. But remember that the context of this time is what informed the apostle Paul to write Romans 14. In any case, we can see the same idea and thought in several other epistles to different other regions and churches of the same time. So we see that the major issue here is the issue of food and meat and drink and festivals and days and Sabbath. That is the context of Romans 14, primarily. Talk me this Bible also to um, 1 Corinthians 8, 
First Corinthians 8. I'll read from verse 1. You see again, because this was a major sticking point in the early church. Why is this important tonight to establish this fact? Because if this fact is all understood, then Romans 14, 14 can, 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 can have an implication in interpretation. And men can use that as liberty to do everything they want to do and justify the occasion for the flesh. And justify their idiosyncrasies and justify the lost. But that's not what the intention of the apostle is using scripture to interpret scripture. I read from verse 1 tonight, 1 Corinthians 8. Now about food, sacrifice to idols, we know that we all have knowledge concerning this. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant. But love that unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. If anyone imagines that he knows and understands anything of divine matters without love, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God with all feed reverence, obedience, and gratitude, he is known by him and his very own and is greatly loved. In this matter then, of eating food offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. It has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, who is the source of all things, and we exist for him and the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things that have been created and we believe exist and have life and have been redeemed through him. However, not all believers have this knowledge, but some being accustomed throughout their lives to thinking of the idols until now as real and living, still eat food as, it, as if it were sacrificed on idol. And because their conscience is weak, it is defiled, guilty, and ashamed. Now food will not commend us to God, nor bring us close to him. We are no worse off if we do not eat, nor are we better if we do eat. Only be careful that this liberty of yours, this power to choose, does not somehow become a stumbling block that is a temptation to sin. To the weak in conscience. Verse 10. For if someone sees you, a person having knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, then if he is weak, will he not be encouraged to eat things against to idols and violate his own conscience or conviction? For through knowledge, spiritual maturity, this weak man is ruined, that is, he suffers in his spiritual life, the brother for whom Christ had died. Now, let, let, let me read to verse 13. And when you sin against the brother and sister in this way and will, will and wound their weak conscience by confusing them, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if my eating a certain food causes my brother to stumble and sin, I will not eat such meat ever again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Now, I read all this tonight to come, help us come to a conclusion that the Apostle Paul was primarily here addressing the issue of food, meat and drink and days um, um, uh, of worship and etc. But not leaving room for personal, lossful idiosyncrasies and personal lossful sins. Now, let's come to Romans 14 from verse 1. Romans 14, verse 1. Him that is weak. There's a moment tonight. Him that is weak, I read from verse 1. 
I prefer to read this scripture in the ESV because it makes it a little more clearer. Um, Romans 14. You read from the ESV or from NLT or from the NESV. It makes it a little more clearer. Romans 14. Let me take my ESV Bible and read from there. All right. I'm almost there now. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Okay, I read from 14 verse from, from the ESV. He said, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Wow, praise God. So he's saying here, God has welcomed both the Gentiles and the Jews. Don't bring your old life of worship. Don't condemn the one who Christ has saved. Hallelujah. Christ has saved both the Jews and the Gentiles. To the church here and says, let no one condemn based on what they eat, based on what they drink, based on the orientation of what best food. Some say I'm vegetarian. Some say I, 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 I eat all things. It says don't judge anyone on that basis. The Jews must accept and accommodate the Gentiles and the Gentiles must also accommodate the Jews. Let's go on. Verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. Hallelujah. You see, the Lord is able to make any one of his own to stand. Therefore, no one of us, uh, or rather Paul, in the church here, that, that, that there's no basis to condemn the Gentiles. Gentiles, nobody to condemn the Jews. The love of God will have broken down that middle wall of hostility. There should be no more hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. Let love prevail. So Paul is saying here, let the love of Christ prevail within you. Let that love help you to accommodate and accept the weak, brother. Let the strong one not despise the weak. Let the weak not look down on the strong. Let everyone trust in the living God as the church of Jesus is being formed on the base of righteousness and truth. Hallelujah tonight. Verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats is in honor of the Lord. You see the word? Since he gives thanks to God. So the problem here is eating and Sabbath. And Paul is even saying here that none actually is essential. But as, as time went on, the church came to a point where, 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 where Christian worship begins to hold on the first day of the week that Jesus rose up from the dead. That should not be a thing that divides the church. The church should be divided on the basis of days of worship or food that we eat. For food does not defile a man. But what defiles a man is what comes from his inside. That is what just said in Matthew 15 that we read. So we're not allowed in this time, you see, by the Lord, to, to look down on other churches that eat something. Now, this is not about what they believe about Jesus, is what they eat and what they, they choose to be sacred. Those things are important. Paul is saying here that this has been a long-standing issue in the church, but he says that is not strong enough to cause hostility in the body of Christ. What is important is that we must all come to a point of agreement that, 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 that the doctrine 
of incarnation, the doctrine of redemption, the doctrine of trinity, the doctrine of the spirit, the doctrine of the blood of repentance, of faith toward God, and, and of, of the dead and the judgment and baptism. All these things are fundamental to our being Christians. If we come together in this one, let not food nor days of worship be the thing that separates. Hallelujah. Verse 7, for none of us live to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are Lord. We are the Lord's. Verse 9, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both, of the dead and the living. Verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brothers? Why do you pass judgment based on what they eat? Why do you pass judgment based on, 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 on what they drink? Why do you pass judgment based, based on the day they choose to worship me? Hallelujah. Because this was a, 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 the, the thing that caused hostility in the church at this time. The apostle Paul did not say, why do you condemn your brother when he's in sin? He didn't say, why do you condemn your brother when he dresses provocatively? No, a Christian is not allowed to dress in a provocative way. That is not what Paul is saying here. For some folks will dress in a very, very awkward way and tell us that, that you can't judge me because to me, I'm convinced that what I'm doing is right. No, that's not the base of this scripture. Some say, oh, I can smoke. I can, I can, I can, I can do anything I want to do because scripture says that no one should judge me. That to me, if I'm not convinced of sin, then to me, it's not sin. No, that is not what the Paul is saying here. We are called to righteousness. We are called to holy living. We are called to stand to present Christ. The, the issue here is we mustn't let the issues of the things we eat the things we 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 drink and and um, and, 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 and 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 the days of worship to cause separation. We must come to a point of agreement and 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 forbearance and tolerance within the body of Christ. So, as a pastor, then are you saying now that um, that uh, that everyone that that calls the name of the Lord um, will tolerate? No, here I said, Paul is saying here. That for this to stand, it means we've all come into Christ the same way. We've all been, we've all drunken in terms of the same spirit. We've all come to believe the same gospel. We've all come to believe the same Jesus. Folks, we must believe the fundamental Jesus of the gospel for, for these few things not to cause division amongst us. If we not believe Christ the same way, if the other dimension don't believe Christ the way we believe Christ, then we have no basis to aligning ourselves with them. But assuming we have a people, a, a people of believers who truly stumble and we know they are following Christ, but the issue is their days of worship is just different from our own. Then Paul says, let that not be the basis for segregation. Why do you pass on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God for this written. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself. Now, let me say this down tonight. There are a lot of people today in the world that claim to be Christians, but indeed are not Christians. This should not make us now be, 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 be you know, you know, you know, you know, integrate everyone that calls themselves Christians as believers and say, well, let's allow them to do what they think is right. They are doing no. There are practices that people do that are contrary to scriptures. For instance, the worship of angels. We are not supposed to align ourselves with people that worship angels and worship demons in the name of, of serving God and praying to angels and or spirits in the name of prayers. No, we're not meant to do that. Paul is talking to people who understand Christ the same way, but came from different orientations, from, but came from different perspectives of service to God. And they're trying to bring that idea of their gods into Christ. 
Paul is saying, no, let those ideas stay where they are. Let's receive Christ as Christ is now. And therefore, in the body of Christ, the Anglicans not be against the Methodists. The, 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 those in redemption against uh, um, 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 those, those in, 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 in winners, provided we are all coming to Jesus Christ in the same way. This is and this is very important tonight. And one thing I see in this scripture is that, is that, is that the Lord is calling us to great tolerance and yet great vigilance. Great tolerance and yet great vigilance. As we stand in our place proclaiming the truth of God, let's be tolerant of people who don't understand things the way we do, not with pride, not with abuse, not with insult, but with a meek mind of humility. For it's by the grace of God we know what we know. If not, we could have also been in their shoes of ignorance. Therefore, verse 13, therefore, let us not bend upon another, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing in itself is unclean, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. That is the things that pertains to eating, that pertains to days of worship, as we read in this scripture, nothing outside this scope. Let's go on. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not in meat, it's not in drink, it can be as clear as this. It's not in meat, it's not in drink, it's not in Sabbath days, it's not in days of worship, it's not in festivals, it's not in anything, but it's in what? It's in righteousness, it's in peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So God's kingdom, what is important for us as, as, as the church is the pursuit of righteousness, the pursuit of peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he that seeks righteousness, we seek Christ, we seek the world. For he that pursues peace, we seek God. For better are the peacemakers, but they be called what? The children of God. For those that seek after joy in the Holy Ghost, we people that are yielded to the things of the Spirit. For God's kingdom is not arguing about eating, about, about, about dietary laws, about eating, I'm um, not in about do's and don'ts, marry, don't marry, go, don't go. No, it's not about those rules. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. God is, in, is, is concerned about the pursuit in the church of righteousness. For when we pursue righteousness, then we will serve God right. If we pursue righteousness, we will learn to do right. Let's pursue righteousness. So for us as a church, let our ultimate desire and goal be for the pursuant of righteousness, of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. Whoever does serve Christ is accepted to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Hallelujah. Let's pursue what makes for peace. Let's seek for peace among the churches. Let's seek for peace, for, for unity, for, for togetherness among the brethren. Let's not set some apart. You, you don't believe in what we believe. You don't believe, you, you don't understand faith, like we understand faith. You're not in the prophet, you're not prophetic. No, let those things not separate us. Rather, let's with the spirit of meekness seek grounds to explain the truth of God. And at the same time, Holding fast your grounds that you are not also compromised by the shortcomings of the other brethren. At the same time, doing your best to work in love with them, explaining the truth of God. God wants unity in the church. God wants unity in the church, not division. A true believer will pray for unity in the church. 
a true believer will pray that God will send pastors at his heart to every church. So that our church is not only the super church that knows the word. No, that's not the will of God. God's church is not the church at all by alone. God's church is universal. So our desire will be, Lord, give pastors of your heart to the redeemed church, to the to, to Christ Embassy Church, to, 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 to the center of God's church, to every place where your name is called in truth. God knows where his name is called in the truth. Lord, give them pastors after your heart. Hallelujah. This should be our drive. God wants unity and he, and, and, and he, will, he, will, he, will, he will he will show favor to the church that prays and seeks for unity, not just for themselves, but for the entire church at large. And in any case, no one can pray for unity in the church if there's no unity in their midst locally. That's why we must do our best to walk in love one with another as we also pray for others that God will grant them the love in his heart. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through, through, through 4. Let's turn them tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me show you something there in the heart of God. This is what God thinks about his church. It doesn't matter how we feel or what we think. But hear, hear the will of God here now. From verse 1, I read. I therefore... A prisoner of Lord Jesus Christ urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. This is within the church. Bearing, we must bear, we must bear, we must bear. We cannot all understand things in the same way, but gradually in love, not in arrogance, not in pride. Not talking down on people in church, you know. Uh, uh, you don't know this by now. No, no, no. We 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 encourage people to learn what they've not learned. Hallelujah. For the things we also know now, we didn't just know them, we also were taught. If we were taught, then we mustn't carry on as though we came with them from heaven. We must do with people of God with humility and gentleness, just like Christ dealt with us while he was on earth. Let's go on tonight. Verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now I'm going to write. We must be eager to maintain that unity of the spirit. God wants the church to maintain the unity of the spirit. And how do we do that? By praying for every church. By praying for every church. And by praying for ourselves. You see, it is not it, it's not the glory of the church to have the church divided. It is the glory, it is a game of Satan when the church fights themselves. Hallelujah. But it's the glory of God when the church is united in purpose, in doctrine, in faith, in understanding. But they can't be united when there's no love, when we close the doors to everyone. When we shield ourselves from everyone, how will they know the things that we know in humility? God will have to open doors that others might hear. But guess what? For this door to be open, there must be intense praying. Tonight, I'm going to close as my time is almost up. But there are a few things that I'm going to open up in the next class that I want us to look on and look at in our moral composition and our moral courage as believers. What things are we doing that is making other brethren to sin? What things are we stubbornly holding on to and claiming is what I like? What, 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 what worldly loss are we, are, have we, or are we excusing or permitting in the name of conviction in the name of don't judge me in the name of um, 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 God has not spoken to me yet. Today there are folks that kind of think to me, they'll tell you God hasn't spoken to me yet. When will God come and tell you that what you're doing is wrong? How will the things that you think is lawful become a stumbling block to your brother whom Jesus died for? Folks, there are times as we come to the faith in maturity, there are things we must begin to give up if one single brother or sister is being affected by it, if truly the love of Christ dwells in our hearts. 
this dimension we're going to explore in our next class. But we're going to stop here this evening in verse 18 to 20. Whoever thus serves Christ is accepted to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. I'm going to end there tonight. Let's pursue what makes for peace among the brethren for mutual upbuilding. Let's pray tonight. I want to pray and tell the Lord. Lord, let there be peace in your church. Lord, your word says that you will give pastors after your own heart. That will feed your people. We are praying, Lord, this evening. Lord, raise pastors after your own heart. In the redeemed church of God. Lord, make ministers after your own heart. In Christ's embassy. In, in, in Desta. In, 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 in Half of the Rock. In, 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 in every place, Lord, where men are calling on your name in truth and in faith. Lord, every place where men truly call on your name, oh God. When men are truly seeking after you, Lord, Lord, raise for them, Pastor, that will teach them your truth, that will, that, 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 that will cause them to come to the knowledge of who you truly are, Lord, that there be no schism among the church that will understand how to serve, how to worship, how to praise, and how to become one in you, and together rise up to build the work of God on the earth. Lord, raise men, oh God, in your church, that peace and knowledge my Lord, my reign in your people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, tonight. We bless your name. Lord, tonight we thank you, Father, because we know that your will is not for any of us in the church to be at loggerheads. Lord, your will is that we have peace. Your will is that none of us judge each other. Your will is not none of us pull down each other because we are one in Christ. I pray, oh God, that our eyes shall be opened to this divine kind of love and see that which you have done, that anyone you have saved is not for us to condemn and judge them by words they eat or what they drink or what they, they teach or believe. Or what they, but Lord, you want us to be able to teach each other in love, that, that you get, we, we might hear one another in love and be able to correct each other in grace. I pray, oh God, that this Lord is only you that can fulfill this Lord. We heal ourselves and say, Father God, have your way within your church and bring to birth of God according to your word the spirit of unity the spirit of truth and peace in the name of Jesus Lord that there's no schism among your people I pray oh God tonight that everywhere in every church every place every household that men call on you Lord in sincerity and in faith with a pure heart every place of the way men call on you with a pure heart Father God I pray that Lord you will teach them your ways and, and lead them in the path of righteousness that they may know oh God that your kingdom is not in need and in drink, but in righteousness, in peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let, Lord, your truth, let, Lord, your counsel be paramount in the church. Your truth of righteousness, your truth of peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, let it be central in all the churches. Be certain in every place, Lord, where men call on you with true heart in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your grace return to the church. Let your word, Lord, find place in the church. Let your word find rest in your church. Let it be unity among your people and let men seek and pursue of the righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God. We thank you, Father God. God. This is your will. Your will is to make us one. One in truth. Not one in unbelief. Not one in error. But one in truth. Lord, you bring this to bear in your time by your purpose, by your mechanism, by your own divine way. I pray tonight for every pastor in the world, every minister you've called, Lord, strengthen them. Then the one Lord is courage tonight, Lord, encourage them. Lord, anyone tonight who is confused, Lord, strengthen their minds. Lord, speak to them. Lord, give them your word. Lord, teach them that I might teach their folks, that I may all know that your precious blood has saved us.
and you are able to save everyone you've saved to the uttermost. Lord, grant us a, a humble heart that we might communicate the truth to those who don't know the truth as we know, not in arrogance, but in humility, in reverence, and in divine love. So that those who don't know, Lord, might not contradict themselves in ignorance, but might receive the truth when they see the heart of meekness and humility with which your truth is being communicated. Father, please bless your church. Strengthen it as you strengthen us in faith tonight. For so pray with thanksgiving. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you tonight. I hope you've learned one thing or another and see the scope of God. We see the mind of God. We see what God intends for his church. Let's begin to see the church as God's church. Let's start seeing the church as God's church. Let's start stop seeing ourselves as, as the special ones. No, God has no special ones. God has children. as a place to pray for everyone to come to the knowledge of this truth. For in heaven, there are no special people. We're all God's children. For everyone in Christ Jesus is made to be a child. Whether rich, poor, black, white, whatever it is, we're all one in Christ. And the Lord will have us to pray that those who don't know like we do will know. And that knowledge that we have will not puff us up, but rather will make us more humble that he might find expression through us to reach everyone who doesn't know as they ought. God bless you tonight. We'll see you on Thursday. Please don't miss Thursday's meeting. We'll come to some practical issues that affects us. And we can see how the Lord will help us navigate through in the church. God bless you and have a blessed night rest in Jesus' name. Good night. Amen.